Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. Value added is a term we hear a lot, and we're going to explore what it means to be a value added leader. Now, of course, you've fulfill the basic mandates of leadership. You manage human capital well, you watch the budget, you collaborate, you create alignment between strategy and operations. Of course, if you're value-added or, well, if you're just a leader, you understand that it's your job to contribute to the enterprise's shareholder value, customer value, and employee value. If you're in government or nonprofits, whatever stakeholders drive your value propositions are the ones that you focus on. But being a value-added leader adds additional dimensions to the leadership picture. I think I should do first things first. What does it mean to be value-added? In economics, it refers to how something is increased at each stage of its production. It also refers to additional features that create more demand or a higher price for a good or a service. So how does all that translate to leadership? It's the things that you do above and beyond what's required to make you a greater commodity in your organization and in your profession that's value added. It's the things you do that significantly increase performance and enhance productivity, both your own and the people that you're responsible for. That's value added. Now, remember this, we all bring value to our organizations. And while our individual worth as a human being can never be measured, the value we bring through our work certainly can. People often get confused and say, I know what I'm worth. Your worth is immeasurable. Focus instead on the worth and the value of what you contribute to your organization. There's some things that value-added leaders are comfortable doing. And these are things that distinguish them. They pull them apart from the crowd. One of them is they're not afraid to push back and challenge the norms. They can look at the status quo, really analyze it, and find ways to disrupt it so that the organization can move forward. Value-added means not going along to get along. Instead, these are the folks who will speak up in meetings and ask deeper questions. They're the people who can be deliberative, thoughtful, even pensive, and they use that energy to consider and create new options and new opportunities. Let me give you an example. I want to share an example with you because sometimes my stuff can be a little abstract. So let me just bring this down to an example. Ron, somebody I've known for years, he's the COO of a multi-site skilled nursing company. His company also is in the business of assisted living. When the pandemic hit, one of his assisted living facilities had a huge vacancy rate because people were dying and because some of the families decided to bring their elders home. So Ron saw how they were losing a lot of money on this particular facility, and obviously it was impacting the bottom line of the whole company. So he started researching ways to turn that building into a residential apartment building. Now, before he shared his ideas with the other leaders and people in the company, he did very thorough research on state regs, implications to the local community, the market for small 
one, two-bedroom apartments. So he gathered a lot of data, and he had the data ready. Now, conventional wisdom said that the company had always been in senior living, senior care, and that they should stay in that lane. But Ron saw other possibilities that could increase the bottom line in the midst of the COVID crisis. Now, he's a realist, so he anticipated pushback and a lot of concerns. And he got just that. He got what he expected. It took a lot of effort for him to sell his idea and then to usher it through. But eventually, he did get it to happen. And sure enough, the building became profitable. Mind you, none of this happened overnight. It took time, energy, and a willingness to take risks. And those are essential components of the value-added proposition. Value-added also entails having a lot of industry insight. It's not enough to just know about your company and your business or your business unit's functions and contributions. You've got to understand what's going on in the larger industry. Where are the innovations happening? What role can your company play in those innovations? Even better, how can your company become a leader in innovations in your industry? Now, industry insight requires a few things. The first is you got to have a large network. You got to know people. You you got to know people who are the people and you got to know the people who know the people. This means access to key decision makers, to gatekeepers, and to people who are on the forefront of progress. Industry insight also includes discernment. You got to know the difference between a passing fad and a game-changing innovation. You have to understand which trends are just trends and which trends are indicators of things to come. I am not saying you got a crystal ball that's hidden under your table and that that's what's necessary to be a value-added leader. I'm saying you have to have analytical skills and a strong sense of the things that matter most in your industry. You also have to have foresight. I want to give you another example. Oh, about 12 or 15 years ago, a guy named Bob was on the board of directors of a nonprofit here where I live. It's well-established, mid-sized nonprofit. And they focused on housing the homeless. Uh, Bob and I knew each other through this community service. We share, well, shared an interest in homelessness and poverty or poverty alleviation. He was, Bob was an avid reader of all things related to poverty alleviation, housing, homelessness, and hunger. And he was very active um, in advocacy in those areas. And because of his endless search for knowledge, he predicted, not based on a crystal ball, but based on what he was reading and watching, he predicted that the focus on homelessness was going to shift at the federal level, and that would trickle down to the states, and that would directly impact their work and their funding. So... Bob started exploring rapid rehousing and other models that weren't shelter-based or focused on just three- to six-month housing solutions. Uh, he, he talked to the board and got them started thinking about housing stability. He wanted them to begin creating a portfolio of properties that they owned and could be used for long-term housing. In essence, in, in reality, the organization was going to become landlords who provided wraparound services like financial literacy education, counseling, tutoring, and life skills. 
Now, Bob was no dummy and he was not naive. He knew this required a mind shift on the board. So, with full knowledge of the board, he started a small think group to explore a new range of options for addressing homelessness. And he took responsibility for educating this small group. He also used the group kind of like a task force. He used them to interview stakeholders and see what was going to be most appealing and what was going on in other nonprofits, what was going on in the county and in the state. He used them to gather data on what could reasonably happen in terms of collaborators and getting other support. (laughs) This little group had no idea that they were going to be on the forefront of a massive shift in focus, shift in resources, shift in mission, strategy, operations, just major turnaround, everything. So once Bob had his group of disruptors educated and energized, they started the work of developing a model for the board to consider. They didn't just go in and say, hey, this is where we need to go. They proposed alternative models and presented the pros and cons of each. Now, as we all know, nothing changes overnight. So it took a couple of years, but the organization did the work to shift gears and to be responsive to the needs of the vulnerable populations in a very different way. So Bob led them in building a pretty sizable property portfolio that they're still growing today, still growing today. Truly, he was value added. He was a visionary who understood the power of research, of educating others, of building collaboration, and then being a fierce, fierce advocate. Yes, yes, yes. Being value added is labor intensive. It is not for the faint of heart. Being Value-added also means being a maximizer and a multiplier, a maximizer and a multiplier. You got to do the work to maximize your own skills and talents. And this begins with knowing your strengths and knowing the areas where you have opportunities to grow. Then it moves to fully exploring ways to leverage your strengths, leverage them. And then it's time to find ways to address your developmental opportunities Maximizers don't dwell on their shortcomings. They focus on employing their strengths very strategically, and then they move to the developmental areas. So notice they don't start with the developmental areas. Once you've tackled the strengths opportunities work, you can maximize by seeking more difficult assignments, more difficult work. You maximize by staying connected to the people who challenge you to learn and to grow, people who expose you to things that are different, to new opportunities. You maximize by maintaining your own personal investment in your learning, not just learning about what you do professionally, but also learning about new things. And that means that you're constantly cultivating new interests and developing new competencies. Now, here's the deal. You got to move from maximizing to multiplying. Okay, so maximizing started with you, with the self, but multiplying moves to others. Multipliers make other people more confident and more capable. They're thoughtful about the assignments that they give. 
They give assignments that allow people to grow. Just like maximizing requires you to seek stretch assignments for yourself, multiplying means that you're going to do the same for others. Multipliers make other people confident, capable. They just do a lot to enhance the lives of others because they understand that the goal is to create more intelligence, more skills, and more performance from others. And that's how multiplying happens. Value-added leaders support and encourage growth in others. The goal in multiplying is to extend and expand knowledge in other people. It's to create an abundance of resources available throughout the entire enterprise. There's a great book called Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter. It's by Liz Weissman. Um, A student in one of my courses turned me on to it. It's, again, Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter by Liz Wiseman. Now, I got to wrap up. Got to wrap up. This can't go on forever, and I know that you don't like it when my podcasts go on and on and on. So I try to keep them focused, focused and targeted. The four activities that contribute to being a value-added leader are first being skillful at challenging the status quo. That means a willingness to push back to tackle unproductive norms, unproductive policies, and practices. It means ensuring that you contribute so that your voice is heard. Second, it's about developing industry insight. Become keenly aware. I want you to become really aware of the trends, the innovations that are impacting your business. Get to know the people who know the people who know the people so that you can know the people and know what's coming. Don't shy away from putting your own ideas out there. You may have some innovations buried deep within. Third competency is maximizing. This is all about finding and creating opportunities to grow yourself. It means looking for stretch assignments. Uh, You can volunteer for leadership positions in civic, professional, social organizations. Take classes that interest you. Figure out ways to get an advanced degree. You know, that might be something that you want to do, that you've put on the back burner. Or maybe to just take all kinds of interesting experiences. Find those experiences for yourself. Maximizing, it's just about growing you. It's all about growing you. And if you maximize, you'll have other tools to advance your brand when you are interacting with others. If you really maximize and really learn and really stay on a learning track, you can really blow your brand up and create something that you never imagined before. The fourth of the competencies, the last one that I just covered is multiplying. This focuses on helping other people grow and helping other people develop. It requires you to share the wealth, to share the glory. Like all of the other things I've talked about, this is intentional. The focus is on multiplying all of the talent in the enterprise. So I want you to ask yourself where you're currently functioning as a value-added leader and where you need to step up. Use the strategies that I presented in this podcast to raise your profile, to refine your presence, and continue to soar. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. 
I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.